You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. It would be very sad for someone to lose an individual now when the vaccine is just around the corner because of what I would call is COVID fatigue. We are seeing a lot of uh, people uh, not following the general precautions. As someone who's been in the front lines, what has your experience been with this? I mean, um, could you just take us through your journey when it first emerged? Uh, and, and you have uh, a lot of experience in this. Uh, um, you're, you're considered India's top uh, pulmonologist. Uh, you, know, you probably know more about uh, this than lots of other people. What was your first reaction when you saw the first patients? And then over a period of time, uh, how has it evolved? So for many of us who have been involved in uh, pandemics and looking at uh, respiratory infections have been really saying that we may have a pandemic for a very long period in time. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember in the late 1980s, uh, 1990s, we had an outbreak of what was then H5N1, which is known as bird flu. And subsequently, of course, we had SARS. And we had a large number of uh, indi- uh, poultry which died and few individuals also died. And this was a a virus uh, which had a case fatality of all more than 60%. And we were all worried that if this virus mutates twice, it would have the the, the ability to have sustained human-to-human spread, which is required for any novel virus to cause a pandemic. Luckily, that that did not happen. Then we had, of course, H1N1, we've had MERS, we've had the Zika, and so many other viral infections. So I think, retrospectively, look back, there were enough warning signs to say that a large pandemic is is going to come and we need to prepare for it. Unfortunately, let's be very honest that we really didn't put in as much of investment and as much of effort we needed to do for a pandemic preparation. So when it first happened, uh, the first thing that we realized is two things. One is we need to learn more about this virus. And secondly, we need to prepare uh, for an outbreak where you will have a surge of number of cases. So a lot of effort went into really training manpower, a lot of academic activities in terms of uh, understanding about this virus, protecting healthcare workers. We did a lot of workshops morning, evening, to how do you don and doff a PPE? How do you protect yourself? Because when you're talking of healthcare workers, you're not only talking of residents or doctors or your faculty. You're talking of the nursing officers, the the technicians. A lot of them will also go into the COVID uh, area and you can't have them having an infection. So when you're teaching people infection control, it has to be right down to the sanitation worker because he's also involved in running that hospital in the COVID area. Similarly, you have to have dedicated areas. We can't have a mixing of patients of COVID and non-COVID. So there was a huge challenge that every hospital faced in the beginning in terms of restructuring its uh, infrastructure into COVID and non-COVID area, even looking at ventilation so that you make sure that there is no uh, chance of infection through ventilation. Training your uh, staff and then developing strategies of having uh, a good supply chain of PPEs, N95, drugs. I remember in India, in the the early days, there was a huge issue of shortage of PPEs. And then we did a project, we started a little bit of a a project, which we published, where we tried to look at, can you recycle PPEs? So if you have a PPE which is being used and it's when you're, if, it's, if, if it's not torn, can you really get it recycled and can it be used again? Uh, 
uh, we felt it would also decrease the the increase in plastics which has happened globally as 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 a sort of fallout of the pandemic so there were a lot of challenges that we went through each phase as this pandemic evolved and like you said treatment strategies uh, were uh, being developed uh, every week you would find the protocol would change to some extent in terms of managing mild moderate and severe cases what would you do what is the new thing that has come out would you try this new strategy what is the evidence so it's been a huge learning curve and i would say that there has been a huge amount of research which has been done over the last 8 to 9 months if you look at the papers that have come in it's actually phenomenal in terms of covid 19 and yeah, for many of us just to stay in touch with what's happening has is become a big challenge because there is such a lot of research being done which is very heartening and helping us in terms of uh, trying to really get things right as far as the pandemic is concerned one of our columnists actually put a number to it he said that over the last 8 months there have been 50000 papers that have been published on covid uh, dr guleria while the vaccine is one part of it treatment is another very very important part of it and one of the things we've noticed and i want your opinion on whether you think this is true or not is that the data seems to show that most countries have got progressively better at saving lives as the pandemic has gone right i mean uh, in the initial period of the pandemic the death rate was very very high and then over a period of time at least purely from the data point of view uh, it seemed as if the progressive death fatality rates were coming down do you think that over a period of time health systems doctors figured out what to do to save lives definitely i think as we started off with the pandemic somewhere in february march even in our hospital there was very little we knew how to manage uh, patients with covid-19 and a lot of it was done on whatever data was emerging from china and we were using anti hiv drugs like lopinavir retinavir there were a lot of other drugs which were being used and gradually we had more and more data which showed that they were not of much use we were reluctant to use steroids because the data from h1n1 pandemic and analysis there actually had tried, uh, tried to show that you had a higher mortality if you gave steroids especially during the early stage when there was viremia so all of this evolved and we then realized that you know steroids are useful they really save lives based on the recovery trial the utility of remdesivir which has gone from one end to the other um, established itself we also had the use of a lot of other indigenous drugs which i still would say we need more data in but we are getting studies coming in whether it be drugs like ivermectin the debate on hydroxychloroquine or uh, the new drug which we, the drug that we use in india which has also got a license from the drug controller favipavir which is basically an antiviral for influenza but has been shown to have a broad antiviral effect against even ebola and other viruses also i think our management strategies improved we realize that oxygen makes a huge difference and we have people who may be hypoxemic but they don't realize it so called happy hypoxia and that even conscious proning that if you just ask these patients to lie on their stomach or this side will help in terms of improving oxygenation so i think over the last few months whether it be managing sick patients who have sepsis or ards managing moderate patients or developing a treatment strategy or placing these drugs in the right uh, time because uh, there was a time when i remember talking to doctors in india and they would give a cocktail of all drugs in the beginning feeling that something will work but we realize that that's not true you may have some drugs which may cause more harm especially if you're giving anti il6 drugs uh, very early and they they can actually lead to super adrenal infection so our protocols have evolved 
and that has led to a decrease in mortality. We've also been able to pick up warning signs and be able to get people inside hospital early and manage them. But having said that, we still have a significant mortality and I think it's important, especially the elderly and those who have comorbidities, be monitored closely. Uh, it's somehow because of what I would call as COVID fatigue, we are seeing a lot of uh, people uh, not following the general precautions that we keep advising and many, many of the young individuals who go out, get the infection, take it, carry it to their homes where the elderly get the infection and this can also contribute to a higher morbidity and mortality. So I think it's very, it would be very sad for someone to lose an individual now when the vaccine is just around the corner. And it's very important for people to understand that if we hold on for just a few more months, then we could actually save a large number of lives, especially of the elderly and those with comorbidities, because the vaccine will protect them. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.